0: Good afternoon, this is Shane Kenny. The headlines this lunchtime. Dr Fitzgerald and Mrs Thatcher have begun their historic summit conference and will sign the Anglo-Irish agreement within the next hour. The
1: Irish Live Aid Fund has now reached nearly £7 million and the money is still coming in.
0: Meanwhile, at the end of October, a lifetime's dream was realised for a county Mayo priest. Senior, what are are your feelings this morning?
1: (laughs) An attempt will be made later this week to recover parts of the Air India jumbo jet which crashed off the coast of Kerry seven weeks ago with the loss of
0: 329 lives. The South African ambassador to the United States has said his government has decided to dismantle apartheid. A gynecologist has informed the Kerry Babies
1: inquiry that he told Gorthy, investigating the death of the Karzavine baby they might be on the wrong track. The Bishop of Cork and Ross, Dr. Michael Murphy, has has urged people to treat with prudence and caution claims made about a moving statue at a grotto in Ballonspittle County, Cork. Last night, more than 8,000 people gathered in Balance Biddle after claims that a statue of Our Lady had been seen to move. Dr. Murphy said all natural explanations would have to be examined before a definitive announcement could be made by the church. (laughs)
2: back on it I would have to say as, 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 a, as, a, as a professional person that deals in logic that the statue itself couldn't possibly move yet we were seeing a moving statue and going over it again I, I have to come to the conclusion that something of an extraordinary paranormal or spiritual nature happened in Balance Hospital in 1985
3: In July of 1985, reports began to pour in from locations across the country that statues of religious figures were moving. It was a phenomenon that would enthrall the nation, and for many, the small village of Ballinspittle Spittle in County Cork became the focus of attention that summer.
2: When it was at its peak, you would have somewhere between 15 and 20,000 people there in the evening time. And I remember going up on the hillside, looking across at it one night, and it was like a scene, a biblical scene. You had praying, you had people singing hymns, you had children crying, and you had people that had suffered an awful lot of inconvenience and hardship just to get there. And they were pouring out their hearts in prayer, and that was a good thing. Sean
3: Murray, a local Garda, played an active part in the committee set up to cope with the large crowds that were coming to the grotto to experience what was rapidly being termed a miracle.
2: When we got to the grotto... The first extraordinary sight we saw was a group of maybe up to three or 400 people gathered on this lonesome country road where normally you wouldn't see anybody standing at that hour of the evening. This was, I suppose, around nine, shortly after 9 o'clock on the 25th of July 1985, on a Wednesday evening. Somebody had rigged up a public address system and rosaries were being said. Hymns were being sung and the whole scene was quite extraordinary so much so that I was concentrating on the crowd because of my profession at the time I was a sergeant in charge of a McCutton Street station in Cork my reaction would be to study the crowd rather than anything else and I was looking around me watching what was going on, taking in this whole thing when suddenly I would say about 20 minutes after we arrived the entire gathering Stopped in mid-sentence, in the middle of whatever prayers they were saying, it was like you, it was like you throw a switch, and everybody simply stopped, and you could hear this gasp of amazement from everybody, in mass, the whole crowd, and it was then that I noticed the statue, and what I saw was the statue of Our Lady, which is a fairly basic grotto statue, same as what you have all over the country, but to my mind at that time, it was actually it was. The movement was so violent and so real, I felt it was actually floating in the air. And I felt it actually left the grotto, hovered and stayed there for some seconds and gradually settled back into place, still rocking and shaking violently, but settled back to the extent that people resumed praying. This happened a total of three times in the course of that about an hour while I was there. It was mind-boggling. I felt initially that this was some sort of a stunt and I waited until uh, most of the crowd had gone that night. I stayed there with, with the people because people were excited, people were trying to get up near the statue and it was quite dangerous because the ground was slippery and it had you had a lot of rain so the ground was dangerous. The following morning I was still so convinced this was a hoax of some sort that on my way into work sometime around 7.30 in the morning, I stopped at the grotto. There was nobody else there. I had it to myself. I climbed up. First of all, I checked right around the base of the statue for wiring, thinking that maybe somebody had rigged up something the night before. I caught the statue and tried to move it, caught it by the shoulders and tried to rock it. It was set firmly in concrete so it couldn't move. And at that I was really puzzled. I was I was really expecting to see some evidence of manipulation of some sort because what I, what we had seen the night before was so real.
3: Kathy Mahoney was among the first to witness the statue moving.
4: It is almost twenty years, and we walked down there. We went off for a walk, myself and my neighbours, and we walked down as far as the grotto, and we said we'd say the Deck of the Rosary. So um, we said the Deck of the Rosary, and two of the children started giggling and. We still now we finished the deck at the rosa. when we finished the deck at uh, Two of them said that the statue was moving. We all stood there then gazing at it, and we... After a while we all saw movement, or we all saw different things in it anyway. And uh, that was about... It half a night of a summer's evening, in the middle of July. It wasn't a very fine year, it was a very wet year. And. Um, I saw her as if she was alive, the kind of breathing as if etc. came alive. Others saw her hands move, and more of them saw her head move. Anyway, while we were there, there was about five or six more people came along, and each one of those people saw it. And we went home about one o'clock that night from here. Yes, we had heard rumours back along the years how different people saw different things here, and you know, there was no one believed them. Just told not to, or well, not to go spreading it. Like. I don't know why they believe me, no more than anybody else. I didn't spread it as such, like you know, but anyway, it went out anyway. It went mean, from there. Then one, first night we had a couple of hundred people. Next night we had, I suppose, most of a thousand people. And from there on, thousand for the, for that September, August, July, August, September, and into October. Most mm. the weather got cold then, and by the it did
3: up. Tens of thousands of people travelled to Balnespittel. Many came to pray and give witness to what they believed to be a miracle. Many more came out of simple curiosity.
2: It was frightening from the point of view that prior to that, if if I would have seen a half dozen people gathered in one spot in Balnespittel, I would say something had happened. There was an accident or something had happened, and to be confronted with fifteen to twenty thousand people cramming into the fields and the ditches surrounding the grotto. Not everybody saw a moving statue. People saw very extraordinary sights up on the hillside from, we say, Padre Pio to Our Lady. I recall one group of people that came there one night and they saw, first of all, they saw nothing. And then when they were leaving, they turned around for a last look and what they saw was a male figure. Where our latest statue should be, and this male figure was so distinct and frightening it was a male figure with his hands over his face, and they actually had to, to get they got binoculars from another person who was there, and through the binoculars they could see the fingernails on this on this this figure and all four people that all there were four people there on that night, every one of them re- recounted the same thing, and again they would be what I would call gin and tonic people rather than religious maniacs of any sort i remember one woman one evening she went inside the railings and she was halfway up to the statue when we spotted her this would be when there were thousands of people pressing in on top of us and i went up to her and i brought her back down for safety and when we got down as we were coming down i was asking her she was very upset she was crying hysterically and i said what's wrong i said what what are you What's upsetting you? And she said, he's all blood. I said, who's all blood? She said, Jesus is up there under the cross, she said, and he's covered in blood. I brought her outside, put her sitting on the seat and left her. Her friends looked after her from there. I never, never saw the woman since. But those type of stories were recounted to me over and over again. People that had come down hoping to see a moving statue, ...went away having seen something much more extraordinary.
3: Not surprisingly, scepticism abounded. Two camps emerged. Those who believed and those who saw it all as the worst kind of backwardness.
0: Mrs O'Sullivan rang to say, asking why the statues are not moving is a pretty stupid question. Just because they're not being reported doesn't mean that they're not moving. I was down at the one in Spittle and I saw it moving... And there are plenty of people down there, not so many as in the first days of the moving statues, but a pretty constant flow. The media has lost interest in the whole thing, but that doesn't mean that the statues have lost interest or have stopped moving. There you are. That's Mrs. O'Sullivan. They're still moving. They're still moving. Isn't it incredible? How people can possibly believe that this omnipotent, omniscient God, if he does want to send us some kind of a message, should act the Mickey Finn around the place with winking statues and bits of plaster moving, it is beyond my comprehension. But there you are, you see. There are so many things in this world which are beyond my comprehension.
3: Commentator Conor Cruz O'Brien visited the grotto and was surprised only by the demographics.
1: Slight surprise at seeing uh, how much it's a, a middle-class uh, manifestation. How many cars there are, for example. I hadn't quite expected that. Uh, nor had I quite expected the mixture of, of people who, who believe and people who come for a gawk. It should have been predictable, but I didn't actually expect it. Well, what is it then or why is it? it this is it's not just in balance Spittal. balance spittle is only one statue. There are reportedly 30 at least statues uh, moving around the country. Wh- why should this happen now, do you think? Well, I think they're 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 rather disturbing. I mean, I think if people are that credulous and that bored, uh, I mean so many people I don't mean that all people are or even anything like a majority, but a sizable number of people uh, are in this state, and a sizable number of the middle class. Uh, I don't think that's uh auspicious for the future either of the uh, economy or of the the polity.
3: Of course, for those who believed it was simply a question of faith.
4: Well, you see, there was no problem in telling people or people asking what they saw because everybody that came here, nearly everybody, saw something for themselves. So there was no such thing as... Uh, that we were trying to brainwash the people. Uh, because most people that came here, be it morning, noon or night, saw it for themselves.
2: What I found about it, it wasn't something you could either bring on yourself or imagine. It either happened or it didn't happen. And lots of people have said, "Well, I think I saw it move, and I always say to people like that, If you saw it move, you would you would definitely have no doubt in your mind
3: and did you ever have any doubts about what you saw
2: no um the long the The longer it goes on in fact, the more positive I get and um as i say if if I had seen what often people often describe as this shimmering or the the halo moving or that kind of thing, if that was the extent of what I had seen, I'd be inclined to dismiss it and bury it. but certainly, what I saw and what that whole group of people saw that first night that I was there was so definite and extraordinary. I would have to say that it, it, it the word miracle describes it better rather than rather than um anything else. You get sceptical reaction naturally. You get people that say that uh, you, basically you've lost it, that you're, you're imagining things. I know I wasn't imagining things. I can speak for myself. I've, I've walked the streets of Cork for 36 years. I've never seen a statue in Patrick Street move or anything of that nature.
3: By the end of the year, a total of 47 locations around Ireland would report having experienced a religious phenomena of some description. One such location was Cairns, County Sligo, where four teenage girls, Mary Hanley, Patricia McGuinness, Colleen McGuinness and Mary McGuinness, claimed to have seen an apparition of the Virgin Mary while walking home one evening.
5: On 2nd September 1985, um the four of us were walking down t- with a friend to a local shop, and um, it was, we left the house at 20 past nine at night, and on the way back, we were just talking about general things like school and boyfriends things like that. And where the grotto is now, more or less directly across the road from there, I just happened to look up in the sky, and I saw a huge figure of Our Lady in St. Bernadette, and they were both dressed in brilliant white and there was a huge start to the right of her head. Um, after I'd seen this, I was absolutely terrified, and I started screaming. Colleen was standing right beside me,
6: so I told Colleen to look at what I'd seen. Um, when I looked up, I saw our lady. She um, appeared to be very close to us, as if, if I put out my hand, I could touch her, but I would assume she was up in the sky. She was in brilliant white, and there was a star to the right-hand side of her head. Um, She had a veil that just came down on her face. She was very motherly and very kind-looking. I obviously got very scared, and I was scared of Mary because she was the first to see it, and she touched me, and I just started screaming and ran away from her. And then Patricia looked up.
7: Um, I couldn't see what they saw first. I didn't know what they were screaming about until Connie grabbed me. And when I looked up, when I saw was a great white figure of Our Lady, with a star on the right hand side of her, I couldn't see her face. But I do remember feeling calm, and I then touched
8: Mary, who,
7: who did see it then after that.
8: Um, when I looked up, again, like the girls, I saw a large figure of Our Lady, but unlike the girls, I saw her um, mm-hmm. in actually greyish white. And what, sorry? a greyish white colour, as opposed to brilliant white. <laughs> um, I could see the folds of her cloak. Again, like, like Patricia, I could not see her face. Um, as well, I couldn't see St. it and I did not witness the star to the right-hand side of her head, either. And like Patricia, we said Patricia seemed to be calm, as opposed to um, Colleen and Mary were more frightened. I don't know why we were calm. <laughs>
6: <laughs> then Patricia tried to calm us down, and she said that it was Our Lady, and she, she wasn't going to do us any harm. And we started saying a few prayers, and we proceeded to to go up toward the first house, which would be Mary Handley's house. and As we walked, our lady just floated ahead of us and stayed with us the whole time. Um, I was, had a mixed feeling of believing Patricia that everything was going to be okay and yet being scared at the same time. Um, when we reached Mary Handley's house, a dark cloud just came and covered our lady and when that was gone, the apparition was over. Uh, We proceeded then into Mary's house and um, her mother was letting out (coughs) a neighbor and she she knew straight away something had happened because she said there was like a glow or a halo of light over the four of us and she knew something had happened. And um, luckily for us, when we told her she believed us straight away because of the way what she saw when we arrived there. Um, normally, the four of us would be out for a bit of fun and a bit of a crack, and, you know, we would have thought that they would, you know, say, you know, don't be silly, this didn't happen, you're making it up, go on a poem, the rest of you, that sort of a way. Mm. But we were very lucky that she, once she believed us, we felt calmer then, you know.
7: Our father was away for, for, mm. the, for the night down in Business in Sligo, mm. and we got our sister's fiance to drive us to to our to our, our comment where we went to school and the nuns there didn't disbelieve, but they couldn't give us any guidance as where to go or what to do next. So we went to our parish priest whom sat us down. You know, he seemed to believe us. He told us we had to retrace our footsteps again and go down that same road, do the same journey, and if our lady was to appear, she'd do it again. So as frightening as we were to do that, they did the same night. But at this stage, all the local... People had heard so they walked with us and when we came back up to the site where the apparition or where the, the apparition happened the night before, um, there was sightings there that night, not only by the four of us but by at least 13 14 other, 14 other local people in the village as well and from that night forward on, or onwards it was, I mean, each night hundreds of people more joined and saw a whole lot of different things. This local man who has since died came up to Colleen and gave her £100. He says, we can't be all here praying to nothing. He says, we're all here standing up looking up at the sky. He said, you need to buy a statue. So Colleen was just left there, haunted this money. She didn't know what to do with it. When another local man came over, he says, right, you know, let's get things going. We have to, you know, that there has to be some sort of structure. And if they're on, they formed a committee. Because people are still. And they're still, still in it. Still like in 20 years old, those same people, people are still in it. And they've guided us. The whole way, going. Yeah. were you surprised that you were relieved so quickly?
6: Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. we actually thought that you know they're going to laugh at us. And it was one thing we did say to each other. once we calmed the girls calmed down, is are we going to tell? How them? are we going to tell? Who going going to tell yeah, us? yeah, who's going to believe us?
7: But we all felt we had, had to be told. It's just something so big you couldn't keep that to yourself.
3: Karns too became a site of pilgrimage for many thousands who claimed to see apparitions and experience the presence of the divine. On the eighth of September, the birthday of Our Lady, Patricia McGuinness saw something extraordinary.
7: There was a large, large crowd there. It was so big that we had to actually move from the field we were in because it had gotten dangerous up to Mary's, which the next door neighbour, their, their field. And um, what I saw and what most people saw was a huge ball of light, or fire coming out of the sky. And it just went back up into the sky again. Now, that night, the first night, I felt frightened. Because mm-hmm. it was like it was just going to come. And there was thousands of people there, and everybody shrunk back at the same time. But it just disappeared back into the sky again. Now, there was people there who said it was a flare, who said different things about it. But to me, it was something that came out of the sky and went right back into it again. You know, there was nights then we didn't want to leave at all mm-hmm. that... You know,
5: her parents tell you, you have to go home you're school, but you wanted to stay, you want to stay all the time. Just a wonderful sense of peace and prayer. Amazing.
3: However, as in Balan there were as many sceptics as believers, including the church.
0: At Colleen's County Sligo last night, once again some 8,000 people gathered in a field where four local schoolgirls claimed they saw an apparition of the Blessed Virgin two weeks ago. Meanwhile, the Bishop of Killala, Dr Thomas Macdonald, has warned against treating the sightings across the country as supernatural. They couldn't be called supernatural, he said, until all natural explanations had been ruled out. No one could object to people coming together to pray, said the Bishop, but he preferred to see them doing it in church.
6: We just had to put up with what people were saying. Some people believed, some people didn't. But we never pushed um, anybody to believe. Once we believed what we saw, you know, it was up to everybody else then. And
3: what was people's reaction who didn't believe around the village?
6: Um, I suppose they never really said anything to our faces, Mm. but they probably thought we were young. It wasn't
8: so much in the local community. Mm. We were very lucky in the people that knew us believed us because they, they knew us all our lives and they knew us not to be people to, to be telling lies but um in school naturally enough there was there was some people who didn't believe us because no. of the fact that you know yourself um it's such a huge thing to happen in anybody's life and naturally enough you're going to have people that's going to be skeptical and uh some of them made fun of us and then again some of them didn't because some of them came to the grotto maybe after that and had an experience themselves and uh that kind of changed their outlook on things as well. So, but as Colleen said, we, we saw what we saw, and if people believed, just fair enough. And if they didn't, that was fair enough as well.
6: They tried to make it out that it was all made up in our minds, and you know yeah. that we didn't actually see, and it was blown out of proportion. And, and we were local girls, of course. Yeah, people were much believing. somebody asked anatomy. me as well, what size shoes was she wearing? Yeah, like just, yeah. 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 I remember
7: being
5: just asked well. And you stand there, and go like, what? You
6: know, we were actually asked, was Lovely it a kitten here? <laughs> <laughs> was, was it an ass over the maybe it was an ass over
7: the fence that we saw? Things like that. One neighbour man out was actually quite funny. It was one of the nights. It was actually very bad. It was raining, and loads of people like that, and the thousands was walking up the road. And he goes, "Where are you all going?" And I said, "We're going up to, to see what our lady." Now, what son had sent his mother out on a night like this? <laughs> <laughs>
3: The lack of church guidance in the case of Balinus Hospital was particularly felt by some in the small community. We
4: have no authority over the church, so we, um, we can't, you know. Just, that's it, like, that's their, that's their rules. They just keep these things quiet. They kept Lords quiet for, until they couldn't, and all these places, they all kept them quiet until they couldn't keep them quiet anymore.
2: The church wasn't comfortable with it. I know that um, the bishop didn't—he didn't condemn it. But uh, Bishop Murphy at the time was the man that was in charge of the diocese of Cork and Ross, and his his only comment was that um, anything that brought people together to pray wasn't a bad thing. So, I mean, it's understandable that the church would stand back from those things because they can't go chasing every every sighting of that nature for fear of bringing religion into disrepute.
3: However, the church was saved from further comment, almost as quickly as the phenomena had started. It died away.
2: This started at the end of July, and we were facing into the 15th of August, the big Feast of Our Lady. So a lot of people were coming, possibly in the expectation that something really extraordinary would happen on the 15th of August. And maybe when nothing big happened then, maybe that was another reason why people started to drift off. In actual fact, anybody that was involved in it like myself, we had only one prayer and one wish, and that is that it would die down because balance middle at the time didn't need it um it's a very agricultural rural quiet community um from an employment point of view, it meant nothing because um all that people did, when people came they might have Stopped off and bought a sandwich in the local shop or had a drink, but that's as much as they did it wasn't it wasn't an asset to balance bitle, no it wasn't it it actually if anything, it had a negative influence in that it caused endless inconvenience and upset to all of us because uh, there were times there were weeks actually when farmers couldn't pass by on that road, they couldn't get through with tractors and this was the harvest time in July august, and people were people were hugely inconvenienced, but they took it in their stride and um, at the same time when it when it quietened down, everybody was quietly relieved
3: and how do people react say you're i don't know if you're you know going around the country with work and you say you're from Ballinspittle immediately the association will be with the moving statue. The
2: first question you're always asked is is, is the statue still moving? <laughs> <laughs> and I simply resign myself to that no matter where I go and I try and make sense of it to people. I, I it would be easier for me to just clam up and say nothing, but I tell people again what I feel happened there and I tell them, look, whether it moved or it didn't move doesn't doesn't make a blind bit of difference to me. Um It's up to people to go and look at it if they want to make up their own mind.
3: Today, it's almost 20 years since ordinary people claimed to have witnessed something extraordinary. The cameras and the crowds left and life went on. But how do you go on with your life if indeed you believe you have been touched by the
2: divine? From my professional point of view, it was probably the worst thing that I ever did uh, going public on it because I do know from um, interviews and from going for promotion and things like that, it's not a good thing to have on your CV because you come in for a lot of ridicule. And, and uh, you know, I, I decided a long time ago that that wasn't going to bother me because I had my primary obligation was to give witness to what I had seen. Whatever damage it did to me professionally or otherwise, was secondary but I don't think I could have lived with myself if I had denied what I actually saw on the night
3: Can you point to anything definite? you were saying that it affected you professionally was that blatant or was it just a feeling that you got?
2: It's a feeling I got and it's a feeling that I often got when I'd be going for an interview within the job and I do know the way that um, the way that those things work, that an interview board, for example, would be bound to comment on exposure of that nature that I would have had, and I would have been public. I would have been in the media, and I would have gone public many a time on the subject of balance Spittle. Now, I didn't. Obviously, nobody is going to relate directly back to me and say, "Look, because of this, you're not." going any farther in the job, all I do know is that um, I didn't make much progress in the in the job after that. But I have no regrets about that. Um, that's neither here nor there. It's We're all only passing through here. And I would prefer to be true to what that lady tapped me on the shoulder about rather than get another couple of steps up the ladder. It doesn't bother me.
3: The Carnes girls don't feel they were chosen. But how has their proof of faith affected their lives?
5: You know, as the years have went on and, you know, we've had vigils and different experiences, you know, you know, since the beginning, like, because our faith has grown and our beliefs are stronger, I suppose, within ourselves, that it wouldn't be as scary, you know, to to happen again because I suppose it's Our Lady now, something that we know for definite is real. Whereas before you know, you went to, to Mass and, you know, we, none of our families really would have been, you know, extremely religious. Friendly, but, you know, we went to Mass and just, I suppose, prayed for you, we want something to pass exams or mm. if something was wrong? You know, it's just average, I suppose. Whereas now, because of our experience, it's kind of strengthens as people that, that, we, that we know our ladies there. So it's kind of more like I know friend is the right word, but a definite person on your side, I suppose that's mm. how I would describe it.
6: You know, it was just something that was part of our lives, that was always, always going to be there. From once we were 14 until we died, mm. what we saw, the apparition, would always be part of our lives.
7: I think I remember meeting one person and um, he asked me where I was from and I did tell him that we were from that area he goes, oh, do you know those girls who saw the apparition a few years ago? I mean, what are they like? Like, you know, they the mad and they hate <laughs> And I explained that they were perfectly normal girls and that they were fine. And he goes, God, can I meet them sometime? I said, do you know what you just have? And I think my being just speaking normal to them about the language, he believed it straight away. And then that very same day, he went up to the grotto, which he never would have gone before. I think mm-hmm. if they didn't believe us, if they come to Cairns, they will do. I think also that um, you, know,
5: you have different, not putting down any types of prayer groups or anything prayers, it's great. I think the one thing that we always had in Cairns and maybe it's because we were young as well, like we just always went down there, we said our rosary we sang hymns that we learned at school and it was very simple very, very simple. simple, there was no dressing anything up there was, there was no pressure to sell anything you know it was just and it's still the exact same today, there's nothing extra, you know. You know. You we know, go down I and we'd say our like three it.
6: rosary, three rosaries and if people wanted to say one and leave, that was totally up to themselves. There was no set rules for anybody to follow. It was just prayer. You know, that's that's all we've ever done in Cairns. It's very simple, but that's the way that's the way we like it. And now with all the scandals that are besetting the church, I suppose people
3: seem to be they may still be praying but they're not praying in the church as much. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> would you see any significance in that or any
7: kind of conflict between the two? Um well I find with prayer and the church to me I mean I do go to Mass every Sunday, I bring my kids to Mass, but where I actually pray would be at Cairns. You know, and I think that's where people's faith is. If they have faith in God and faith in prayer, you know how they feel about the church, it shouldn't matter. You know, and if they if they believe in say in their religion, which is you know the Catholicism, well, I mean they will go to mass, but I mean and there's a not happening late or this last few years. But I think if you have got faith, you'll just keep going. It's your faith in God and faith in prayer that you get to there, rather than faith in this priest or this particular religion sure. I, I don't suppose anybody who's had an apparition
6: or anything like that will really know why why us why then until um, we meet our maker and hopefully get the answers then you know um we have no re- we've no explanation as to why she <clears throat> appeared to us, why she appeared in cairns or you know what exactly she wanted us to do because she didn't give us specific Outlines, You know, I want prayer or, you know, we just went along with what we thought would, as long as it was some place for people to pray and come to, that it would, you know, we, we were helping and doing something for our Lady.
5: We don't know when we're going to die. It could be tomorrow, it could be 50 years' time. So, like, you stay up to the real life every day. I
6: suppose for us, we know the answer to the big question. Is there life after this one? And for us, we believe there is. We, so, know we know we know there is a small question is the problem. It's it's small small everyday
7: <laughs> Your everyday questions be an answered.
3: It's a big great relief. So many people struggle with faith and they never ever they never get that confirmation in their life. Mm-hmm. How has that made your life different? You have an absolute assurance that you know you picked the right religion. Mm-hmm. As far as you're concerned.
8: I wouldn't be afraid to die. That's the big assurance. Yeah. If, I was told, if I was told this minute that I would be dead in an hour, other than the fact I would be devastated from my husband and from my mother and my family, from myself, I would not be afraid. That's being 100% honest. For Sean Murray, his faith has been left fundamentally
3: unchanged, although he has a different view on why the statues moved that summer.
2: I'm trying to make sense of it myself, I believe that it was something that was linked to the whole spiritual side of Ireland at that time. For example, what I'm trying to say is, in 1985, Ireland was very stable religious-wise. You didn't have divorce, you didn't have any... There were a lot of the problems you didn't have. But at the same time, I'm thinking that in 1985... Young Peter Casey, for example, Bishop Casey's son, in America was about eight years of age. And I, I would say that Our Lady, being the mother of the church and the mother of the Irish people, knew things that we didn't know. And maybe this was her way of attracting our attention or getting us to pray that things were, were in a bad way and were about to come apart. I honestly believe that. Whether, whether or not I saw the statue move as i said if it had never happened my fate wouldn't be based on that i think maybe that our problem really is as as human beings we tend to only accept what we can reach out and touch and say this is solid this is i can feel it this is real but i think there's a whole spiritual side especially to the irish people and it's as old as it's older than christianity this spirituality that we have and i think that there are times when the spirit world and the physical world that we're so used to, sometimes they sort of intermingle. There's something, it's like you'd open a window between the two and something reaches out and touches you from the other side. And I think that's what happened in balance battle. From my point of view, if it never happened, I don't think it would have made a huge difference to me because my faith is basically founded on my own reading of the scriptures. My, my faith is such, to be honest, that if the church simply folded up and went away in the morning, I would still have the same faith in Jesus Christ and in Our Lady that I always had. I have nothing to gain from recounting this story. I'll never go back on it. Because I believe that what happened happened for a specific reason, which was beyond certainly beyond me, and um, given the way that the the way that the country generally has gone from a religion point of view, the way that the Catholic religion has been fractured and torn apart with scandal and with one thing and another, if the statue. At that time, had to actually come down off the grotto and walk past my gate and throw itself into the sea. I wouldn't be surprised now because that's how strongly I feel about the way the country went, and this is why I'm so convinced that what happened in 1985 in Ballant Spittle was in some way linked to the whole spiritual welfare and life of the Irish people. In
3: 1985, the following was inscribed on in the roadside grotto in Ballon This Lure's grotto of Our Lady in St. Bernadette was erected by the people of Ballon and blessed on the feast of the Immaculate Conception December 8th, 1954. Down the years, the grotto and its surroundings have been lovingly cared for by the people of Ballon some indeed devoting a lot of time and energy to its upkeep and adornment. Those who erected this grotto did so and those who today lovingly take care of it do so to promote devotion to Our Lady among all who live around here and among those who may be only mere passers-by. From famine and war deliver us, from nuclear war, from incalculable self-destruction from every kind of war deliver us, from sins against human life from its very beginning deliver us, from hatred and from the demeaning of the dignity of the children of God deliver us, From every kind of injustice in the life of society, both national and international, deliver us. From readiness to trample on the commandments of God, deliver us. From attempts to stifle in human hearts the very truth of God, deliver us. From the loss of awareness of good and evil, deliver us. From sins against the Holy Spirit, deliver us, deliver us.